I'm going to move this stand at the risk of the iPad getting hooked on to the stand. That's okay. Oh, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Josh and I and Hunter and Julia just came back from a minister's retreat um, where we had some continued education, some encouragement from other ministers, and it was phenomenal. On the way home, Josh and I had baby Esther with us, who will always be baby Esther, even though she's two. How did she get to be two? I don't know. Uh, but she's two, and she was in the car, and we were almost home, and I said, Esther, I said, we're almost home. Like, are you ex- who are you excited to see? Who's going to be there? Because our other kids weren't with us, and so I assumed she would say them. And so she says, Jula. And I said, yeah, Judah's going to be at home. And then she said, no, Jula. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Judah, I got it. Like, you're saying Judah. Judah's going to be excited to see you. This is great. And she kept just saying, and then finally she said, no, Jula. And she was talking about Julia, which is, <laughs> even though she had just been with Julia, um, she thought Julia was going to be at her house. And it turns out Julia was at our house, which was really great for Esther. <laughs> sometimes Esther, so Esther's learning how to talk. And sometimes she says things to me repeatedly, and I just don't get it. I'm hearing what she's saying, but I just don't really understand what she's saying, just like in that instance. And how many times does God say things to us over and over, and we just don't understand? We've seen that theme throughout our series in John so far, and we're going to see it again tonight. Jesus is saying something, and the people around him are just really not understanding But tonight, for us, it's important that we understand what he's saying. So we're going to look at John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 11. If you need a Bible, Josh will get you one. Thank you, Josh. So just raise your hand. Josh will grab a Bible for you. We're going to be in John chapter 11. We're skipping a few chapters in our series because there are only so many weeks in the semester. But I highly recommend that you go back and read them. If you're not currently in a book of the Bible during your uh, time of reading and studying God's Word with God daily, I suggest that you start with John. I think that would be really great. And then you can see all the things that we haven't looked at. So to give you some background for this setting, Jesus had recently left Jerusalem. So... As we know from our previous weeks, people were anticipating that Jesus would bring about the kingdom of God in a certain way, and he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing things in the way that people thought he would, and so people weren't happy with Jesus, and Jesus, in our setting tonight, had recently left Jerusalem because people were actually threatening to stone him to death. You guys thought you had a hard week. Yeah. So thanks for laughing, Josh. (laughs) He loves me. (laughs) I thought it was funny. I didn't even have it in my notes. Um, So yeah, so Jesus finally proclaims that he is the son of God, that he is the Messiah. He has come to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth, to restore everything um, to the place that he made it to be to what he had designed life for. 
So people thought that since he was saying that he was divine, that he was committing blasphemy, that he was lying, that he was doing this grave sin against God by comparing himself to him, by, by being, comparing himself as God's equal. And we do know that eventually people will kill, kill Jesus, but it's going to be on Jesus's terms when he decides, when he allows himself to be taken. I don't know if you knew that yet. If not, sorry, we're going to get there in the story. Spoiler alert. Uh, We'll put that on the front of the podcast just in case people listen. Like, spoiler alert, do not listen if you haven't read through John. So Jesus retreats. Um, He goes across the Jordan, and that's where we find him today. So starting in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we have three people here. We have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They are brothers, brother and sisters, um, and they were Jesus's friends. They were supporters of Jesus. When Jesus came near their town, he would stay with them. Sometimes he would announce himself. Sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he would send word ahead. Sometimes he wouldn't. He would just show up. And you know, when Jesus showed up, it wasn't just him. It was his disciples and really anyone that had been following him. So these people were so kind to Jesus. They were kind to the followers of Jesus. They were close to Jesus. And we see them throughout the other gospels as well. The gospels are the accounts of Jesus's life here on earth. So these were Jesus's friends and supporters and people who Jesus loved. They said, Jesus, the one you love is sick. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus um, supported him with their finances, gave he and the disciples food and a place to stay, and then Lazarus is sick. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. This is what Jesus is going to repeatedly say that people aren't going to get. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son, Jesus, may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus gets word from Mary and Martha that his friend is sick. Now, you have to remember what age this was. Caroline can probably tell us from her almost nursing degree that people didn't really have a lot of medicine. There's no CVS. Um, Sickness was a big deal. There was no CVS to get Benadryl. There was no CVS to get cough medicine or um, to get Advil or Tylenol or antibiotics. And so sickness was a big deal. This was probably life-threatening. And the fact that they were calling in Jesus, kind of the big guns, like PK. (laughs) That's crazy, he said. Um, So the fact they're calling in Jesus means it's it's a really big deal. So what does Jesus do when he calls them in? He goes as quickly as possible. No, wait. 
It says, he stays where he was for two more days. He stays where he was for two more days. If I was somewhere else and someone told me that Josh, someone I love, or any of you, <laughs> but especially Josh, um, if, if someone told me, Josh is really sick, like this is life-threatening, I would not wait where I was two more days, no matter what was happening. I would immediately get on a plane, immediately get in my car, get in someone else's car, take someone else's car. I don't know. I would do crazy things to get back. Let's drop that from the recording. I, I usually obey the law. <laughs> um, usually, I try. But we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the all-powerful one, and Jesus, the Bible tells us, is God. One of the attributes of God is that he is omniscient. This big word means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything from the past, and he knows everything about the future. And so he knows the end of this story, which he's already told them that this won't end in death. So Jesus waits two days, and then he says to his disciples, let's go back. Now going back is going back to the place where people are upset with him, where they're trying to stone him, and the disciples know that they are guilty by association, and everyone knows who they are. And so it's not only Jesus' life that's in danger, but also theirs. So they're kind of freaking out. So Jesus answers their question. They're like, why would we go back? Jesus, you're, you're being crazy. You're talking crazy things. And Jesus answers in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone walk, who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Jesus, you see, is the light. John references the light a lot in, in his gospel. Jesus says it's at night that people stumble. When you don't have the light, when you're not work, walking in Christ, that's when you stumble. But we have this amazing opportunity, as the disciples had, to walk in the light of Christ. And after Jesus tells his disciples around him this fact, he illuminates, if you will, the situation for them. Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. How many of you have been woke by Jesus? Anybody? Got some nods? Okay. How many of you, um, maybe you just got here not anticipating being intercepted by God. Maybe you, you came to college this year. Maybe you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and you weren't anticipating being intercepted by God, but you have been. He's woken you up. Perhaps your, your eyes have been opened. Your mind has been opened. You're seeing things by the light of Christ that you've never seen before. You're viewing life differently because of Jesus, because of his light. So Lazarus is asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. And what do the disciples say? Verse 12. His disciples replied, 
Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. As Daniel Tiger says, who is my kid's favorite person, Daniel Tiger says, Lord, he he says, he doesn't say Lord. I wish you did. That would be amazing. Um, He says, when you're sick, rest is best. And I can sing it for you later, but not into the microphone. When you're sick, rest is best. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. I'm so thankful for the clarification that John gives us sometimes. Jesus, we don't really need to go risk our lives, right? Like if he's sleeping, he'll be fine. Why are we going? Let's stay in the safety of this retreat place and not go back to the place where people want to kill us and you because of our association. So verse 14, so then he told them plainly, how many of you are thankful when the Lord speaks plainly to you? I'm so thankful for that. Jesus, do you see us? Yes, please. So Jesus says plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's not asleep. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe so that you may believe, but let us go to him. In verse 16, then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let's go also, let's, let us also go that we might die with him. Yeah, it's a great week for the disciples. Thomas is an optimist, obviously. Um, but what if he was willing to go and die? If that's what Jesus said If that's where Jesus was following and he knew the risks, what if he was willing to do that? How many of us are willing to follow Jesus no matter what, no matter where he leads, even if he leads us to that place that we said, Lord, please never send us there? We're talking about God, the one who's light, the one who can see and who knows everything. So the disciples still aren't understanding what Jesus is saying and they, they aren't getting it. He keeps saying it, but they're not understanding. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Jesus is trying to tell Martha that he's going to raise Lazarus' body from the dead right then. But she isn't comprehending what Jesus was saying. Even though there had been evidence that he had raised other people, you can look in the other Gospels, and last week Josh talked about an instance where Jesus raises someone to life. Even after this, Martha still wasn't getting the fact that Jesus could raise her brother. He could make him alive right then. 
The other accounts that we have of Jesus raising people from the dead are when people have just died. You see, in this culture, in Jewish culture, you would bury someone the same day. We didn't wait a week. Like, you would bury them that day. And Martha knew about these other instances. But to her, it seemed impossible because he had been dead for four days. So Martha meets Jesus, and she really doesn't seem to understand. And I, I can kind of put myself in her situation. Her brother has just died. She sent word to Jesus when he was sick. Why didn't Jesus, who she loved, who she gave all of these things for, who her family helped, who her family supported financially and with a room and with food, like why wouldn't Jesus come? And Martha processes these questions about Jesus with Jesus. And that is so important that when we have questions about Jesus, when we question his goodness, when, he, when we question where he was or if he's here, that we process those questions with him because he is the light and he will help us see truth. Verse 32 so Martha is processing this with Jesus, and then she calls Mary to Jesus. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You see, they didn't believe that, that Jesus could raise him. They thought his power was limited. And the words here, deeply moved and troubled, are, are typically words that describe actually anger. Why would Jesus be angry, so angry that he cries over the death of Lazarus? What we know about this situation is that Jesus' life is being threatened. His time was coming soon, and he knew this, where he would go to the cross and let himself die. And he was trying to tell people, and they just didn't get it. They didn't believe in him. How frustrating for Jesus this would have been as he is looking to his impending death that people still think that his power is limited. But Jesus is the one who is all-powerful, whose presence changes things. He's the light for people who guides us in life and truth. And he was deeply moved, perhaps by Lazarus's death, but since we know that Jesus knew, spoiler alert, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead in like a minute, maybe that wasn't it. Maybe he was deeply troubled by the lack of faith that he saw in these people who he had been with for years. Like with Esther, they were hearing him but not understanding. Verse 38. 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Martha makes a good point, right? Like, Jesus, I don't know if you know how life and death works, but he's going to be really stinky. Verse 40. And then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Believe me, trust me, trust what I say is true. Trust in my capabilities. Trust in who I am. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When Jesus had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, the crowd, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So Jesus comes to the home of Lazarus. After waiting two days to ensure that there is no question that Lazarus is dead. He comes back to a town and a place that tried to kill him. He risks his life to save Lazarus. Knowing that what he was doing, doing another miracle that would certainly get out to people trying to kill him, knowing that what he was doing and his presence here would ensure his death would come soon. He knew that this was happening but he came and he gave his life so that in him, Lazarus could have life. And that's what he's done for us. So that when we die here, if we are in Christ, if we say yes to Jesus, we get to be with God for eternity. And that's a really good deal. If we are in him, if we lay down our lives here, living in him, if we make that investment of our life, we get eternity with him. And that is a good return. Any econ people? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Just trust me. <laughs> the math works out really great in our favor. But Jesus also came to give us life here and now. New life. Life, when live, life lived fully in the one who created us. What happens when Jesus calls out to Lazarus is the same thing that happens when Jesus saves us today. We come alive. And we come alive in him, truly alive, truly seeing and knowing and understanding because of him. Seeing life differently, having new life. But how does the text describe Lazarus when he raises from the dead? Verse 44, he came out and his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth was around his face. So Lazarus was now alive, but he was still wrapped up in the cloths of death. What was good, those cloths were good for a dead person, were a hindrance to someone alive. 
When we say yes to Jesus, when we give him our lives, we become alive and new right then and right there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in a Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. The life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are new, but we still live in the same environment, potentially. We still have some of the same habits of our past. We still have some of those cloths of death wrapped around us that wreck our old, that reek of our old selves. I can't read my notes. Of the old sin that binds us. Things like selfishness, greed, sexual addiction, drunkenness, living to gratify ourselves. This old sin that previously directed our ways influenced us. These things that promise so much but really lead to death. And Jesus comes in and he makes us new. And this has happened for some of you this semester. You've said yes to following Jesus and you're still walking or trying to walk while also being bound in those old grave clothes. And tonight, Jesus wants you to take those off. He wants you to leave behind those cloths that reek of death, and he wants you to be able to live fully and alive in him, unrestricted by those old things, by those things that promise us so much, but really leave us with little, that leave us empty, the things that don't give life like they promised to. Jesus wants you to be free tonight. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. The Holy Spirit is God with us on the earth now. After Jesus was resurrected and went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be God with us. And he desires you to live free, unrestricted, in Christ. Jesus didn't die on the cross to only let us live fully when we get to heaven. He died to give us eternal life starting now. And when you say yes to Jesus, those chains to sin are broken. You are alive. They can't bind you, but you have to walk away. You have to take those grave clothes off. So tonight, if that sounds like you, if you've been trying to follow Jesus, but you keep tripping, maybe you have some of those old grave clothes still wrapped around you. And the Holy Spirit says to you tonight, be free. I've come that you could live free in me. So what is keeping you bound tonight? What decisions are you making that keep those grave clothes on? With the old stench, the stench of your old self, like death wrapped around you. Sometimes it's hard to step out of those old grave clothes because we know them. And we find comfort usually in things we know. And so sometimes we're afraid to take those off because what would happen? What would it be like if I made changes? 
What would it be like if I stepped away from those things that were leading to death, that were empty, and started living fully for Christ? Tonight, will you have the courage to step out of those grave clothes by the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to sin and yes to the life Jesus wants you to live? And then my second question is, how are you helping others out of their binding? If we look back at verse 44, it says, the dead man Lazarus came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus doesn't speak to Lazarus right away. He speaks to the crowd. He speaks to the people that were close to Lazarus, who were there grieving his death. Those people closest to him. And he says, Jesus says to the crowd, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Sometimes we need help from those around us. God made us relational people, and he gave us community so that we could help each other live for him. So how are you helping others out of their binding? How are you coming alongside people to help them live the free and full life that God wants them to lead? Those examples of what might be keeping you bound from living free in Christ, whatever stood out to you, it could also be something that someone near you is struggling with. And they may be free, they may be alive saying yes to Jesus, but they're just trying to figure out how to live free. They still might be wrapped up, although alive. So how can you help your friend with whatever it is that's keeping them from being alive in Christ? Would Julia come up and start swimming? What could happen if we as a community of believers, of Christ followers and Jesus people, lived free, stepped away from those grave clothes, helped each other out of them, and lived free in Christ? What could happen if when we hung out, we encouraged one another towards holiness? What could happen if we if we help each other along the way. If you know your friend struggles with alcohol addiction and so you choose to stay back with them instead of going out while other people are drinking, or if you choose not to serve alcohol at your party in, in honor of them. What could happen if you know your friend is living in self-doubt and insecurity and so you call out the truth in them? that they are a child of God, that they are free because Jesus sets them free, that they can and have the power in the Holy Spirit to walk away, or that they are known, loved, and valued by God. What could happen? Jesus doesn't turn to Lazarus. He turns to the crowd and says, take the grave clothes off of them, off of him. We need people to help us. Jesus later on says that the greatest commandment that he gives, he sums up basically all of the old laws in the Old Testament in two phrases. He says, love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. What if we did that tonight? So we're going to take a minute and we're going to just take two minutes and I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit to reflect on what is keeping you bound. 
What is keeping you from living the life that God wants you to live? A life fully alive and fully free in Him. Jesus, help us. Thank you for making us alive in you. But we just ask for help. So Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that you would direct our minds and our thoughts to those things that are leading to death, that don't live to life and life abundant. So would you help us in this moment? We thank you for your help.